Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. I've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that will help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Christine, and Christine's been having paranormal encounters ever since she was a child. Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. I'm glad to be here. I'm very happy that you're here. Your encounters are quite intense. So, are you able to go back to the start and tell us all about how they first started with you? Yeah, sure. Um, I've, my first, I grew up, I've lived in three haunted houses, and the first one I um, is the one that I grew up in. Um, I've I've just been really um, aware of, you know, um, other. How can you explain it? Um, I've been fascinated with paranormal since I was a child. I've always been aware that there's something else out there. Anyway, um, my parents built the house that I grew up in in 1962. I grew up in the Sydney suburb of Bright, and um, it was your standard 1960s model, you know, double brick. You walk in to uh, lounge room, living room, get straight through the kitchen. The hallway ran straight up the middle. One side was bathroom, toilet, linen closet. My brother's bedroom was, and I'm describing this because one of the episodes, um, did you get the layout of the house? Anyway, um. My brother's bedroom was up the end of the hall, and my parents' bedrooms and my sister's. And my sister and I's our bedrooms sort of jutted out and was in line with the veranda. 
And um, I, I don't know when I first started hearing them. It probably would have been early. But I'd hear footsteps come up the veranda, open the front door, and, you know, then nothing. Um, and I, I'd mentioned this to my mum, and she'd say, it's just a milkman. And this was the day, in the day when the milkman delivered, you know, you're talking early 60s. So that seemed plausible. Um, so, so, but then, you know, there were also other incidents that at the time you didn't sort of put two and two together. Because when you're a child, these things, this awareness sort of grows gradually. It's not a, it wasn't a, you know, everyday occurrence. But, you know, quite often you hear those footsteps come up the, up the, um, the steps on the um, veranda. And then my mother, and this is important because I've heard that cats, and I know this for a fact, cats can sense these things, they can see them. Anyway, my mother always had cats, even today I'm a cat person, I've had cats all my life. And um, we had this cat and every so often I'd just freak out, just go crazy, hiss and hide under the dining room table. Um, try and climb curtains and things like that. And, um, you know, as a child, you know, six or seven, you, know, you just think it's funny, you know. Anyway, I remember one night, um, but the cat stayed in the house during the day, but at the night time, my mother used to take it up the garage and it had a bed up in the garage. Anyway, next thing is, she took him up, I think like about nine, ten, would have been a bit younger. It's hard to remember being that far back. Um, anyway, my mother took the cat up the garage. Next to me, cat's at the front door, scratching to get in, climbing up the um, the wire, you know, the screen door. And my mother's running behind it, screaming. And she never ever told us what she saw up that garage, but she never ever went up there again in her whole life. Oh, wow, never really? Stepped, really, never stepped foot in that garage again. Um, <clears throat> And um, my dad just said, oh, must have been a possum in there or something like that, you know. Um, the only thing she ever said was it was no possum, you know. Um, and then gradually the older, the older I got, I just got this, I was never comfortable in the house, never. Um, and anyway, you know, being kids, you know, we used to scare each other, my brother and I particularly. Um and we had, my sister and I had bunk beds. Anyway, I'll, again, I think I was probably about 10. Now, from where my mother used to sit in the lounge room, she could see straight up the hall and into my brother's bedroom. And this is another thing. Ever since um, I sort of wrote to you, I started thinking, I always thought I was the only one that heard anything or saw anything in the house. But coming to think of it, my, my my brother never ever closed his bedroom door. He always left it open, and I'm just wondering if he left it open always all that time so he could see Mum, so a bit more secure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Anyway, so anyway, this night I'll never forget it. Still etched in my mind. I mean, you know, I'm 16 December, and I can still see what was standing over my bed, and it was a classic. It was just horrible. It was like an old man and it was white and he was standing over my bed and he had this, he had this horrible, horrible look on his face. The only thing we can describe this as evil. And he, his hands were sort of like paws. 
Anyway, I screamed out to my mother. I said, can you get um, Richard out of my bedroom? He said, my bedroom's scaring me. He said, he's not in your bedroom. I said, he is. And I put the covers over my head, took them off, and he's still there. And I said, he's still here. He's scaring me. And mum said, I can see him. He's in his bedroom, fast asleep. And so I just put the covers over my head again. I probably, look, it seems like it was ages, but it was probably 30 seconds or so. Took back off, it had gone. Whatever it was, it had gone. And um, it wasn't until I was a young mother myself and I was living out at um, Liftow down here in New South Wales and my mother used to come up on the weekends and stay and I don't know how we got onto the subject. She finally admitted she'd seen the same thing in the house, but she couldn't say anything because she didn't want to scare us, you know? You're, you're kidding. No, and I remember the night she told us, or not she told us, I remember the night it happened. Um, we were all in bed asleep, but most of I don't know, it was, you know, early mornings, and she woke everyone up in the house with this blood-curdling scream, and I mean it was blood-curdling. And my dad had to calm us all down and say, your mother's just had a nightmare. She's had a nightmare. Go back to bed. Um, yeah, and she admitted that years later, like she said, I couldn't tell you. You know, you were kids, you know? Wow. And she always said to me, I can't understand how the house was haunted when we built it. But you don't know what was on the land before that. You know, it could have been around a sacred Aboriginal area or something. Because there were lots of Aboriginal paintings and things on the Parramatta River where we grew up. So you don't know what was there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and anyway... um, Never felt comfortable in the house. And when I was a teenager, um, my sister had married then and moved out. My parents used to go to her place quite often and, you know, visit grandkids and stay overnight and that. And if I'd gone out um, and my brother wasn't home, I'd get home, I'd open that front door and I'd turn on the turn on the light, I'd run through the kitchen, turn on that light, turn on the dining room light, run up the hall, turn all I'd I would not go to bed and I saw the lights were on in that house. I just was never, ever comfortable in it. Never. And, um, you know, you'd hear other things like there was one night, again, I was a teenager, probably about 16, 17, not long working, and I heard this horrific bang and crash. Like my mother had all these china cabinets with a lot of antiques from her mother and her grandmother. And it sounded like the whole lot had just been thrown on the floor and smashed. And I thought, how could no one else have heard this? And I was expecting to find an absolute mess in the morning and there was nothing. And I started to doubt my own sanity after a while. You 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 know you hear it, but did you really hear that? Is that what you really heard? And it was quite, you know. Um, anyway, you know, when my parents, my parents passed away, and we went down, and um, I was living at Newcastle at the time, and we went down, and um, my brother and I, and we, you know, gave the place a, you know, a good makeover to sell it, and um, and it looked really nice, and my my. My ex um, sister in law said, oh, I could live in this house. And I'm thinking, no, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. Might look all right, but no, there's something here. And yeah, yeah, that was the first house. And it was, um, like my mother said, she couldn't understand what it was or why it was there. 
Um, but whatever it was, might have, I don't know, I don't know. Wow. It's just, yeah. It's, that's incredible, Christine. And the fact that the whole house has basically been affected by this just really goes to show that something was definitely going on. It wasn't just you experiencing yeah. something and you kind of second guessing, oh, is this really, really happening? Am I, am I maybe dreaming? Is this, am I making this yeah. up? But for everyone to experience it, it kind of cuts that out, really. Well, I wish I had asked my mother what she had seen that night when she took the cat up the garage because, honestly, in her, the, you know, um, the rest of her life, she never stepped foot in that garage again. Um, my father would have to stop the car at the bottom of the driveway. She'd get out and walk in the house. Wow, really? So it, it affected her for the entire time that she was there? Yep, definitely. Yep. And like I said, when my sister got married, <laughs> mum and dad were always over. So this is what makes me think maybe dad sensed something too or heard things and saw things because, you know, um, they were never home <laughs> once, um, once my sister got married and got her own house. They were always over to her place, you know? Yeah. Did you da- Very strange. Did your dad ever let on that he saw something? No, no. Was your dad the type of guy on. to lead that information on or was he more so do you think he would have kept that to himself he was a policeman he kept it to himself yeah yeah probably rationalized it you know yeah no of course of course wow and this entity that you saw over your bed was that a regular occurrence or was that just a one-off just a one-off and it was like a classic horror story figurine you know where you see the the wise and old face and it's it's snarling and it's got its hands up and they're like claws and they're glaring at you. And I, I swear as God is my witness, that's what I saw that night. And I can still see it now. That you must know? have been terrifying. It was terrifying, you know. And I, it was probably, I don't know, it's hard to tell what time frame it was over. It seems like a long time, but it couldn't have been more than two minutes or so. And I think I pulled the blankets over my head maybe two or three times and mum kept on saying he's in his room I can see him and I remember the insistence in a voice at the last time and really when you think about it she was probably starting to get a bit hysterical you know because I can see him and he's in his bed asleep you know that's I I don't know what to say I mean being so young and having something so terrifying just leaning over you and and kind of your parents not there to I guess come in and check on you that would have been terrifying just as a as a child yeah yeah um like i said you know mum mum was there she could she could see my brother and um look honestly i suppose if she had seen what i'd seen which i found out years later she had she may have been terrified to come into my room and and see see that again you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah most definitely most it's. It sounds like a, a, a an incredibly terrifying house, to be honest. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a nice house. I didn't enjoy growing up there at all. And did you ever see the entity again, or was it only just making itself known by doing the opening the doors, breaking the plates, yeah. things like that? Never saw it again. Just um, just those episodes and. Like the feeling that you, if you were there by yourself, you always, and this is, I've had this feeling in other houses too, that 
you were being watched, you know. And you felt watched the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, if I, when I was a teenager, got my own car, I'd go out, and sometimes you wouldn't get home till one or two in the morning. And if no one was home, and quite often my brother wasn't, he'd stay at a mate's place, and my sister was married, I wouldn't, I would, every light in that house would be on before I would go to sleep. I don't blame you. I really don't yeah. blame you. Even even yeah. today, I would still be doing that. After after yeah. seeing what you would have seen, that would have been enough for me to never want to set foot into a house like that again. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're a child, you don't have much choice. I moved out when I was eighteen, so yeah. yeah. And and you said this wasn't the only the only haunted house that you lived in. No, I've lived in two others. Can you tell me about those? Yeah, um, when I was um, uh, this is my first marriage. We, my um, first husband got a, a a business opportunity up at um, Lake Macquarie in um, Newcastle and we were living out at Lithgow at the time. We got this opportunity to run this mechanical workshop. So we moved to Lithgow, we're only renting. And we rented um, this beautiful, beautiful little cottage on the Pacific Highway at South Belmont. And when I say it was beautiful, it was. It was a 1920s little bungalow with the bullnose veranda and it had the stained glass windows. The kitchen was just delightful. It had the old-fashioned bureau in it um, and it was just really tastefully done. There was even even an old phone on the wall. And when I say old, I mean the one where you're speaking to the horn and you hold the thing up to your ear, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. And it was gorgeous, gorgeous. It had um, slate tiles they put in the um, dining area and they had an extension on the back um, with two bedrooms and that was a dual part. Now, we lived there for a year um, and when you first when we first moved in, it, it, these incidences happened again over a period of time. Um, anyway, probably my youngest started school, this was 19... 95, so he was in kindergarten. The three kids were at school and I was a stay-at-home mum at the time. Anyway, um, I started noticing things like I'd be hanging clothes on the back lawn and hear the back screen door open and shut and you think, oh, well, that's just the wind, you know. So it wasn't really um, that didn't sort of prick anything in the head to think, you know, oh, there's something odd here. Um, but over time, that would happen when you were in the house and you'd know there's no wind and you'd hear the back door open and shut and I'd think to myself, oh, gosh, you know, there might be something here after all. And um, I think you this is another house that I never felt uncomfortable in this house during the day. This is the bizarre thing about it. Even with the doors open, you know, that what seemed like, you know, screen doors opening and closing. I could still justify that as the wind, you know. And I never felt uncomfortable during the day. But when the sun went down, I just felt a foreboding in that house. And I, um, my husband would say, don't you feel you're imagining it? And um, I always felt like I was being watched uh, again. Um, and this is, this can really freak you out. And I'm not, I'm not, it had that old-fashioned phone, but it also had a standard phone. And I remember one night, my, my 
husband used to work back a lot and used to go to meetings and things like that. And it got to the point where I was so uncomfortable after night. You didn't feel uncomfortable in the new part where the extension was. It was only in the old part, the original part of the cottage. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the old part, the new part was fine. You know, I could sit out there and not feel anything. Um, anyway, one night he was at a meeting in that, and I was very active with the Salvation Army at that time up there. And one of the ladies from the church rang, and while the, the, the standard phone that you talk on, the house phone, was ringing, the one on the wall rang only once, but it rang, and that totally freaked me out. And was that connected so, to anything? No. It was just there for decoration. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, ever since after that, I thought, I can't, could not stand being in that house at a night time alone. So if my husband was going to a meeting, I'd put the kids to sleep in the new part, I'd walk out the back door, around the front and sit on the veranda um, and um, make sure the outside light was on. And I might sit there and read a book or whatever until he got home. And then, you know, I'd say to him, you know, I just, I just, there's something in that house. And he'd tell me, don't be stupid, you know. You're imagining it. No, I wasn't imagining it. I could feel something was was there and didn't want us there. Put it that way. That you, you, I could just feel it. Um, so you could feel a, a negative vibe in that house? Yes, negative. And um, he never experienced anything till two weeks before we up and left, and then then he realised that oh, there's something here. And I'm going to try and explain what happened. And look, even now when I explain it to people, I have a hard time putting into words what actually happened because at the time, um, I believe when you experience these things and you can't rationalise it, your brain sort of tells you you didn't see that, you didn't hear that, you know, to protect you. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know you saw it, you know you heard it, but there's some sort of thing that that allows you to keep. Because what happened next, the little final straw, no one in their right mind would stay in a house where that happened. But people do because they've got no choice. They can't move. They don't have the funds to move or they don't have the money or jobs and things like that. So I think your brain rationalises things to protect you. Anyway, so it was um, it was summer, and um, at the time we had two little two hours. Anyway, we were sitting in the lounge room watching TV, and um, first sort of inkled that there was something wrong. Both chihuahuas started sort of growling and the hair on the back of their, their um, you know, the hair on their backs went up. And I'm going to try and explain exactly what happened. And we heard the back doors open. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And slam shut. I mean, like, slam. Boom. Um, and then there was a the sound of wind rushing through the house, but also round the house. But there wasn't a wind, and the, the noise was like a, it was like an angry whoosh, like a, you know? And it, it was all around. It was just, it was just terrifying. And again, this, this was probably all in the space of 10 seconds. Um, and then there was the sound of the front door opening and slamming shut, but the doors didn't open or shut. So I'm assuming the back doors didn't open and shut. And it was just bang, 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 bang. And um, my husband looked at me and said, what was that? I said, I don't know, but whatever it was, I think we better go check on the kids. Kids slept through it, didn't hear a thing. Oh, wow. I I legitimately just got goosebumps all over me when you were telling me that story. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was, and we didn't we didn't sleep that night anyway. We gave notice to the um, real estate agent, and they said, oh, the owners are going to be so disappointed. They cannot get anyone to stay, you know, any longer than you're the longest that anyone stayed there. My husband popped up and he said, because it's haunted. That's why. Really? And, yeah, it's haunted. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was um. So whatever was in that house was, I think, I don't know. I, I would say demonic, but I would say that whatever was in there again didn't want us there. Yeah, it it definitely sounds like a a very negative spirit, and it's it's obviously done this with basically every other tenant by the sounds of it before before you yeah. guys moved in there. And yeah. I guess that's 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 really really terrifying, and it's on its own because it's kind of like this this thing really has no bounds. It's it's not kind of picking and choosing who it wants to, I guess, haunt or or have stay in its house. It just wants no one there. It didn't want anyone there, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. It might have been an original person, um, or something tragic happened there. I don't know. Um, you know, um, but um, yeah, like I said, I was was heavily involved with the Salvation Army at that time, and I used to do a lot of praying, <laughs> a lot of praying. You know, um, I don't know whether that that helped or not, but um, yeah, no, no, I couldn't stay in that house after dark by myself. Yeah, I uh, I don't blame you, and it's really odd that it wouldn't. I guess you wouldn't experience any of this activity in the in the newer section of that house. No, it was only the old section. Felt totally comfortable in the new section. I could have, you know, the kids. It was. It was just like this heaviness just lifted when you were in those two back bedrooms. Did you ever take the? I guess. I guess I don't really know when this this happened in the time frame. But did you ever take a moment to do some research on the? I guess that property since living there. No, I haven't. Um, but the third house, we did do some research on um, the third house um, that I lived in. But that one, I didn't. I actually sh- that that's an idea, you know, to have a look and um, see if you can find out if I could find out what 
what actually happened there, but whatever happened there, you know, someone or something doesn't want anyone staying there, you know. Yeah. I, I after speaking, after you know contacting you, I did actually Google the house. You know, you can Google it and you can see it hasn't changed at all. No one's done it up. No one added to it. No one. It's still sitting there exactly the same. It'd be quite um, interesting to see if they are still having encounters there. Yeah, well, actually, the house I grew up into that um, when we sold it, the new owners demolished it and built a little McMansion on there, and I was often thought maybe you know to write them a letter or you know and just say look you know just out of curiosity have you experienced anything? It would be it'd be really interesting to see if uh, if that's changed the spiritual energy of the house. Yeah. Yeah, completely brand new house. But, you know, when you think of it, if there was nothing there when my parents built the house and affected that, I can't see why it wouldn't affect the new house that was built there. Yeah, that's a really really good point there, Christine. um, That might be a a fun little exercise for you to do and report back to us. (laughs) Yes, I might do that. Yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, and, um, yeah, so so there are two houses and then there was a final house that... um, that I lived in that was um, haunted, but this was a nice haunting, if you could say that. So house house number three was really lucky house number three. Yeah, it was lovely. It was a lovely house. The background behind it was quite sad. Um, this was before I bought um, up there, and um, I was with my second husband by that time. We were renting this beautiful two-story house at Wanji on right on the lake. It was, um, it was waterside reserved, so it meant, you know, you were on the lake, but there was a path in front of you. People could walk past, and it was right right on up, down on the waterfront. There was the sea scout, and you could see right across to the other side of Lake Macquarie, Belmont, Swansea, not Swansea, but Belmont, you know, um, over that way. And it was a gorgeous place. It had it was built in the 60s, early 60s, and it had wraparound verandas right around it and I mean right around it um, and all the doors were large glass sliding doors upstairs and downstairs. Downstairs was a sort of a teenager's retreat, bedroom, separate bathroom, laundry um, and a games room and it had this brass, well not brass but metal spiral staircase coming up to the top level. had two um, living areas um, and, you know, three bedrooms up the top bathroom and that and um, anyway lots of trees around anyway I was we were there for just on a year before we bought over the other down at Morissette anyway we well we'd probably been in there a couple of weeks when we heard it what it sounded like footsteps again walking around the veranda anyway we put that down to possums because there were lots of trees around there were lots of possums around and, you know, if you've ever had possums around, they can make a lot of noise and if they're running, they can sound like people, you know, so we put it down to that. Um, um, what started thinking me that there could be something to this house was I went to work a couple of times and come home and the kids had already left for school by the time I left for work and they'd come home and the doors would be wide open and you'd think, I know I shut these doors. You know, um, and you know, just 
things like that. Um, like I said, this was over the period of the year. Never felt like I was being watched. Never felt like whatever was in there was a threat, except the only thing that, that, that happened that really started me thinking, well, there's something here, was my eldest son. He was 14, 15 at the time. He comes flying up the stairs. He said, something just threw my school bag off the top of my wardrobe at me. Oh, said, wow, really? <laughs> well, if you knew my eldest son, you'd probably, <laughs> I'd be throwing it at you too. <laughs> <laughs> He's 34 now, but anyway, um, and he said, no, I'm not sitting back down there again. Anyway, I said, okay, so just slip up here for tonight. He probably didn't, you know, trying to reassure him. It probably just fell off, you know, you're imagining things. Anyway, and I thought, oh, you know, there could have been something to that. Anyway, lo and behold, you'd hear, you'd hear creaks on the floor, like someone was walking along the floorboards. Um, and you could dismiss that. But what you could dismiss was hearing footsteps come up the spiral staircase. That's when you knew that there was something here. But again, you'd hear them come up. You'd hear them go across the dining room floor into the kitchen. But it didn't freak you out. It was really bizarre. You never got scared, never freaked out about it. I just thought whatever is here is friendly. Um, and quite often, you know, you would hear that, not every day, not every week, but it would happen, you know. Oh, here he comes. He's coming up the stairs again. Um, anyway, there was one um, there was one Anzac day and they had, a, they had a display of people who served in the wars um, from Wanji down at the RSL club. Anyway, they had this – oh, I've got to go back a bit. Why not? One of the things about Wanji is it was a little village, right, and everyone knew everyone. Um, you know, the school was tiny. Um, anyway, one of my um, daughter's um, mother's friends, yeah, she she was she got talking to me. She said, it's a lovely house, isn't it? I said, yeah, it is. She said, the gentleman who built the house um, died in Vietnam. So my – I well, I know this. Um, I know he probably – I thought it was really nice. He's not haunting the place. He's getting to enjoy the house that he never got to enjoy in life, you know? Yeah, that's a really that's beautiful way of thinking of it. Yeah. Anyway, um, and they had this display down at the RSL Club at Wanji um, this Anzac Day. And my daughter, she looked at this photo and she said, that's the man that was standing in the doorway of my room. And it was the guy who built the house. Really? Yeah, and she said it was in a pair of shorts. I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, because he, he didn't scare me. I just rolled over and went back to sleep. Yeah. Wow. And did she see him ever again? No, just the one time. She said he was just standing in the doorway looking at me. And wow. she said, and I just rolled over and went back to sleep. So it was nice to put, I can't remember, don't ask me what his name is. I can't remember what his name was. But it was nice to put a identity to you know, the person. Um, the only other, the only time I could say I was, I was a bit freaked out was again, was my chihuahua. Chihuahuas are always in these stories. Um, I was, it was Christmas and my kids were at their dad's, and my husband at the time was at a Christmas do, and I was, we were minding this chihuahua for a friend, 
and the footsteps started coming upstairs and the dog were just freaked out. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll go and pick up my husband and, you know, get the dog to calm down. But that was the only time that, you know, probably because an animal reacted, it got you a bit. But that was the only time that um ever, ever, um, I could say, had a bit of discomfort, but it was nice. I, that's the way I looked at it, that he's enjoying the house. He never got to enjoy life. And how long did yeah. it take you to get into, I guess, the mindset that this wasn't like the previous two haunted houses that you lived in? Oh, and you could straight just, away. Oh, really? Yeah. That quick? Yeah, you're just very comfortable in the house. Loved it. Um, if we could have bought that house, we would have. Um the owners actually were managing a hotel up at Narrowbrae or something like that, and the contract ended. And um, you know, we actually did say to them because um, at that time I was waiting for a financial settlement from a dad's state where they did they want to sell it, and they said they didn't. So, but anyway, I would have bought it. But anyway, um, we did find out that when they moved back into it, they um, they said that they. They did a bit of a, a, not a cleansing, but a sort of a, a ceremony to sort of, you know, because um, they said they thought it felt sad. I never thought it felt sad. Um, but, um, yeah. That's so, an interesting word to use for a haunting is is sad. Yeah. And, yeah. and you never so, felt like it was a sad house at all. You felt quite happy no. in there. Yeah. Yeah, nicest house. Um, I've ever lived in, and yeah, I, I, yeah, the the story behind it is sad. Yes, very sad that you know, um, you could, um, you could, you know, build a house and then never get to get to enjoy it. You know. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's it it is quite a sad story to it, but it it's almost nice that he, he I guess, the the spirit or the. The gentleman is continuing to, I guess, visit the residents and, and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether he's still there. I don't know, you know, if those original people here, because I'm talking about 20 years ago, um, you know, still own the house at all. But all I can say is that my experience there was pleasant and, um, yeah, that was that was nice haunting, not a scary one. Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of like a good palate cleanse after the the two previous houses that you were in, and you really don't want to go back to something like that. So, yeah, that's that's no. a really good experience. I, you know, like I said, I'm I'll be sixty in December, and I think over the years I've sort of I don't know, you know, they say that some people have all of us have psychic abilities, some people have them more than the others, and I've just been able to get a feeling about a house. Like when I was when we were looking to buy, there was another house at Wanji on the other side and it was waterfront. Again, gorgeous house, it was tri level. But as soon as I walked in there it felt cold and the main bedroom was on the bottom level and it was sort of dug into the ground. It's really hard to explain. It was a beautiful house but um in the main bedroom I said to my husband and I said I couldn't live here. I, I just was a horrible feeling, you know. So I trust my feelings now when I go into a house. So do you think it you doesn't have, feel right? Do you think you have a little bit of a psychic ability to to feel these types of things? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I 
it's not it's not something I've explored, but just from reading things and that, I think, oh yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah, I I can I can relate to that, you know. Um, and I can definitely feel if a house is comfortable or not comfortable. Yeah, now. absolutely. And I think that that explains a lot of people's gut feelings about things. I think it's it's maybe people just tapping into whatever psychic ability that they have and. I guess, you know, you're saying you can, you have a gut feeling about a house, if it's good or it's bad and you, and you run with it and it, it obviously works out right for you. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, um, they're the three experiences that I've, um, had with, you know, like, you know, the paranormal, I suppose, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. before I let you shoot off tonight, Christine, you have to tell me quickly about your Yowie encounter. Oh, that was um, that was forty years ago on the eighteenth of December, nineteen seventy-seven, and again, um, it was very quick. I didn't see anything, but this was a this was a sound one, and we used to. It's a whole bunch of us um, as teenagers. We used to go surfing, and we were going on a surfing camping holiday up the Crescent Head on the mid-north, uh, mid-north coast of New South Wales just before Christmas for a week. And there were six of us in three cars. There was myself and my best friend, who I'm still in contact with yesterday, and, we, yet, and on Sunday we actually spoke about this. Um, um, I met her for lunch. Anyway, anyway, we we met up late. I think it was the Sunday. It was a Sunday. Anyway, we we're going to drive as far as we could. Anyway, we got just outside Bulladilla. Um, probably got up there about eleven. Bearing in mind back then that Pacific Guy was was you know one lane each way and a go go track. So and you didn't have the bike the you know M1 that only went up to Gosford. So it was pretty pretty um it took a long time. Anyway, so the idea was to pull off the highway. Um, when we got tired, um, sleep in the cars and then head off again at dawn um, to get up to Crescent Head. Anyway, so we pulled off the highway at Bulladilla. Um, I don't know how far down we went, but we went so far down. One of the guys that was with us had a Doberman, you know, big dog, macho dog. So we get out and we're having a cigarette and that. <clears throat> and um, all of a sudden this flock of, uh, no, they must have been self-crested. They weren't glass, but there was something like that, cockatoos with glass or something, come screeching out of the, Forest just screeching. You couldn't see them because it's midnight. Um, like something had startled them, and then probably a couple of seconds later, five seconds, ten seconds, this little wallaby comes flying out of the bush. And anyway, turn around, and this big Doberman is on the ground, whimpering, like whimpering, like. And um. So I said, it's funny what you remember. He says, oh, get up, you stupid dog. What's wrong with you? And then we we heard this. And I've, like I said, I've listened to a lot of the American, you know, um, chronicles and I've, I've you know, um, listened to a lot of recordings and things like that. And what we heard was horrific. It was It was a howl and a scream all in one and it just came from everywhere but it just boomed, boomed out of the bush and we all just looked at each other and um, dog, the guy picked up his dog, threw it in the back and off we went. Um, 
now, you know, again, your, your brain sort of justifies him. Did I really hear that? Was it really that? Now, we've all kept in contact over 40 years, one way or another. Every, someone knew where someone was and blah, blah, blah. And we had this reunion about 10 years ago. Anyway, we've we started seeing each other again quite regularly now because the gentleman who had the dog has terminal cancer. So we we go up and we see him and his wife said it, it boosts his um, morale and things like that. Anyway, we all met for lunch except for one person. We don't know where he is. Um, anyway, we met at Avoca Beach, which is where we used to go, and someone brought it up and they said, remember that, that camping trip to, um, to Crescent Head? Um, and that when we heard that that scream and everyone to a T said that was it was a yowie. It, it had to have been because there's nothing else in the Australian bush that can make that noise. It was a scream and a howl all in one. And like I said, I met my friend on Sunday, just gone for lunch, and she brought it up. She said, do you think it might have been a koala? I said, no, koalas, I know they can make a lot of screaming noises, but it wasn't that. She said, no, you're right, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and did you think at the time that it was a yowie, or do you think it's yeah. – it, oh, really? Um, yeah, definitely. Because, like I said, from the very beginning, I have been interested in these sorts of things from a very young age. You know, anything that was paranormal or out there or different or cryptoid fascinated me, just fascinated me that there could be these these creatures out there that, you know – mythical but could be real, you know? And, you know, to me, all these reports of sightings and that, they can't, not everyone's making it up, you know? That's simply amazing. And I really do want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your your absolutely fascinating life of encounters with us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I just hope I can get to sleep now and go to work in the morning. Look, hopefully, hopefully we haven't brought up too many uh, too many spooky memories, but I, I really do appreciate you coming on the show, and um, I, I reckon our listeners are absolutely going to love your your stories. Well, thank you. Been a pleasure. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.